Big Papa. I like this. Probably, <laughs> we are here with Big Papa. I'd love we it are. when you call me Big Papa. Big Papa of the of the of the South. Mac and Ho's like who's behind me. Uh, One of the best anyway. party songs of all time, man. But don't you think? It is. It is. It is. And I I remember when I first found that instrumental. And I was like, oh, my God, like Sean Davis is going to call me like tomorrow because <laughs> I've got to be in the Of course, that's way back when, obviously, when he was there. But we've got Big Mac Daddy, big duck hunting dude. Number two. <laughs> NFR announcer, announcer of extreme bronc final, announcer of some of the greatest events in rodeo and this is round two because not my fault no no uh, no not your fault equipment failure equipment failure uh but um the great andy stewart joining rump chat again and we are recording multiple sources so this son of a bitch is gonna <laughs> work yeah well i gotta tell you what happened the last time so right after gaiman when we recorded it and i know we recorded it because i looked at your board and, and I have pictures. I have proof. Yeah. So right after it happened, then Andy called me like a week later. He's like, hey, man, is everything okay? <laughs> I was like, yeah, why? <laughs> He's like, well, uh, did something, are you bone upset? Or I was like, no, we're good. Well, he's like, well, uh, my rope chat didn't get aired. I was like, yeah, we had yeah. a SIM card crash that took it away. Actually, we lost two episodes. We lost one with Andy. And we, we lost one at the WCRA finals. But you know what? It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter what we've lost because we've also lost an episode with Justin McKee, and we came back the second time stronger and better. So we're back here with the great Louisiana Andy Stewart, everybody. Louisiana. Good to be back on Rump Chat. Now, I, I, you know, my dream was to just get on Rump Chat one time, but now twice. <laughs> this this is awesome, guys. <laughs> well, You're a- you're up there with the likes of Bob Tallman. There you and, go. I mean, yeah, you know. Well, you uh, know, the thing about it was, like, it. the first one was so good. It was so good. And Andy is – so, actually, this one should actually be better, but we can't guarantee the first one was as good as we think because we don't have it. But you know what? We're going to make it that good. Man, it, let's not talk about it anymore. Let's just roll stupid on. Stupid-ass SIM cards. All right, Andy, take it away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just uh, – you know, feed the monkey, watch him crap. All right. But anyway, uh, just no, good to be back no, on Rump no. Chat, it, man. It it's is. A, uh, I enjoy your podcast, uh, and I learned a lot. I told I told Rump I had an opportunity to work with old Jersey Jake this past weekend in El Paso, and I had no idea he was, like, into the 80s rock scene on the Sunset Strip and that he'd <laughs> gone out and done all of that. And I found that very intriguing. So I'm learning from Rump Chat as well. It's an educational and entertaining experience. I had never, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I had no idea. I've known him for years. I had no idea he went to LA and tried to be, you know, a rocker. And that was, that's awesome. That was and, absolutely uh, he does cool. a great job. I bet you got along great with him. Oh yeah. It was all good. Jake, Jake's a great guy. He's a great guy. Did, did you think though, on Jersey's episode that, uh, Hammond and I talked too much about 
old man's dongs in the, in the locker yeah, room. Yeah, it kind of got a little out there for a few moments. No, but then again, no, that's that's rum chat. I, yeah. You're kind of you guys are kind of like the Bob Tallman of the uh, podcast world. You know, you kind of just get off on a tangent somewhere, but it's interesting and everyone pays attention. Oh, oh my gosh! There's old Gus. Hi, yeah. Gus. So uh, your yep. co-host tonight, Gus. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Gus has been in his underwear most of the evening. So, so are his, we. And the Skeeters got him pretty good. So. <laughs> Yeah, so if you guys, yeah, how's the weather in Texas, Bone? It is stupid. They set a record here. It was 115 degrees the last two days. Oh, we feel and your pain. That broke a record of 111 degrees in 1943, and in 1965 it reached 111 on June 19th or June 20th. Uh, today reached 115 and. Set another record, I guess. Well, it is. We it feel is. your pain. It's, it was a balmy 53 here this morning, high of 80. I tell you one thing. That's one thing I love about rodeo in the north. Like, I while I love all rodeos, and I I enjoyed my Texas rodeos in the summer, and I continue to enjoy them. I'll be back with Bone at Big Spring in the future, and Weatherford. Weatherford, where you're also at Andrew. Hell yeah, yeah. great Son rodeo. Of a gun. There's something about being in Utah. And waking up and wearing a sweatshirt and drinking coffee in, mm-hmm. in beautiful Lehigh. Like, this is a storybook town. Uh, we start tomorrow night with the rodeo. Great rodeo. Probably, you know, I'm not kissing ass here. Probably one of the best rodeo committees in the world to work for. I'm, I'm got my broken foot. And where most rodeo committees would, like, would be like, my God, don't think you can just get off with anything because you got a foot broke. This committee's like, hey, man, you know. Hey, whatever you Pretty need to much. do. He's milking this deal. I'm bone. not milking he, shit. He is milking this. He is like not going to. Look at the bruise. He, look gonna, at the bruise. I'm not, I'm not doubting that the man is injured. That is obvious. But let me tell you, he is playing it into his hand extremely well. I mean, like you are full of, I'm going to mute your mic. Three Andy. jokes and he's done. <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna I tell know, so many I, jokes that people ask me to leave. That's what I know. Do. I know. I know my friend Andrew. I know. I'm not milking it. I know my friend. If, I know. If anything, you know, I'm unmilking hey, it. Hey, I broke my leg one time, and I tried to milk it uh, to get some from Wit. So um, it didn't so, work. Hey, so um, did I. You know, <laughs> it didn't work for him either. Well, damn it. She hasn't called me back. Let's put it that she way. She lied. I know. Oh, shit. Well, uh, let's get into well, it. Let's, uh, let's get off our wives. Hey, Yeah. So I know I'm, I'm looking forward to I, I go to Prescott next week and then up to Estes Park. So I'm beautiful. Looking forward to, to wearing that hooded sweatshirt. Um, Your rump chat and, and sandals. Yeah. Which is yeah. available. Which, by uh, you know, it's available. Yeah. Rumpchat.com. Right. Uh, Merch is hot. It's flying so, off the shelves, uh, let, literally. Yeah, it's flying off the shelves, so get yours right now. But anyway, um, yeah, the uh, summer run is upon us. Hashtag and, summer uh, run. So, yeah, I, my first experience in Big Spring, Texas, was last week, and um, <laughs> it was great. That's a that's a great committee. You know, what I, what I love, uh, and you guys will appreciate, uh, as well as everybody in our uh, side of the industry, is that committee is one that pushes – um to get better yeah um you know um so important up in prize money and 
they're just, you know, and getting, you know, Matt Merritt was there. Rump's coming. It was just, you know, um, Pete Carr, great stock. Uh, Lucia's announcing. Um, so it's uh, it, it's just one of those committees that just keeps working. A lot of things. They've got bands and stuff. Josh Ward played there. I'm on the oh, Josh Ward. I love Josh I'm Ward. on the yes. Josh Ward tour. Yeah. Uh, had in weather for two weeks in a row, Weatherford and there. But uh, uh, Pat Green, you know, it was, it was Saturday night. It just. You know, uh, kudos to them. Um, I got. I do have to give a shout out uh, to the uh, committee guy named Josh, who put in uh, uh, extra power for uh, the sound system. And um, I, I told him, you know, I was trying to work with him. I'm like, well, let's maybe do this, and we'll run a court here. And he goes, no, no, I heard you got a podcast, and I don't want you bad mouthing Big Spring, so yeah, oh, I'm going to put it in. A little leverage, so, yeah. Yeah, a little leverage. About two hours for the perp, he's putting in another 20-amp outlet, so it was great. You hear that, committee man? Um, we will talk about you. Yeah, we will talk about you. You have so to pay us large to sums of and, money, but Josh, you are okay. <laughs> but And here's the big thing. Here's the big thing, and this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rag on my our Weatherford boys, Andrew, a little bit. On Sunday... There was the same amount of guys on Sundays and where uh, to tear down as there was to set up. That's unheard of. Yep. So that's not ragging and, on. That's um, good. That's no, he said there was brag. three. Oh, brag, brag. There, brag. there was, there was three in Weatherford. You know, Shane Harris, and uh, you know, uh, Falker, Gaylord yeah. was there. Yeah. Uh, Travis, the the uh, well, he, now he's the outgoing president and his boy, Trent. Uh, yeah. Trent. Trent. Those are the only three I had there to help. So. Awesome. So I'm gonna rag on my Weatherford boys a little bit there. You know, that's nothing out of the normal there. They they go a little harder than most. Yeah. <laughs> what a great committee. I want to say are. on behalf of a guy that has seen the Weatherford committee, and I just got hired <laughs> back. And all three of us are gonna be in Weatherford next year. Hell yeah. They the Weatherford Sheriff's Posse that puts that per Parker County Sheriff's Posse that puts that rodeo on their testament to what the human body can endure <laughs> because there is no possible way that you and should, you, know, you it, should be no, no human should be able to heat? drink beer for 24 hours a day when it's 106 degrees by wearing a brush popper shirt, jeans, a large cowboy hat while cooking brisket. Yes. <laughs> how, how in the, how in the hell is that humanly possible? Their sweat droplets are in the shape of Texas. That is so Texas. <laughs> they are. They're the best. Yes, they're, they're, they're the great. They're, great. they're awesome. They're awesome. But am, am I wrong about what they can do? Such good hospitality food. Like their hospitality is not like other. You know, you're like, oh god, barbecue again. Which it's it's appreciated. Don't get me wrong, committees. It's appreciated. We get it. Barbecue is the cheapest and easiest. You know, thing and, to make, and it's good. Um, and it's good. But, but these guys, um, they make the smoked meatloaf. Oh my God. And you guys That's... ate it all, but I didn't get any after the rodeo. I was highly Rowdy, disappointed. Yeah. You got to get with Rowdy Turner. Yes. Rowdy, uh, Rowdy held some back, but I won't anyway. even, I won't eat hospitality unless it's served by an old woman with a preg check glove. <laughs> that's the only that's the only way i'm gonna your requirement <laughs> hospitality jesus um, yeah. here you want some of this yeah. you want some pick here's two pickles you know and i like i like you yeah. know like at denver at denver you know you have it's the same three meals every three days and then once they get a, a stockpile full of uh buffalo wild wings uh um, olive garden subway and olive garden 
they just kind of put them all out at once. That's my kind of uh, that's my kind of hospitality. There. It is, yeah. And, but but when at the beginning, when the new rack comes, like you know, oh here's one sandwich, and it's like you know the the two inch cut. And you're like, ma'am, I'm 367 pounds, or, or 267 pounds, and uh, that ain't that ain't gonna. I always that, say, if you're going to fly a jet, you have to put fuel in it. I just happen to be a jumbo jet. So. Um, yeah. that's, that's good right yeah. there. I want to throw out one brag before we get started. I want to I I brag on something that I thought was pretty cool. Do you know who probably the, the coolest team ropers right now in pro rodeo are? Yaquo boys. Yaquo brothers. Yeah, hell I yeah. Finally got to, champs, man. I got to hang out with those guys at the college finals. I'm on their Snapchat. Uh, I've got their Snapchat. Those guys are freaking hilarious. Uh, and their brother, Jesse, he's a big rum chat fan. I found out, but if you don't have the Yaquo brothers on your Snapchat, you are missing out all things team roping from the actual team roping to the Snapchat today of LJ riding a bicycle with a half a bell of hay pulling, uh, <laughs> leading his horse at Greeley. And, uh, you know, they, they, almost made it back on two head right and so i was talking to him like man i wish you guys would have made it back and they're like you know what that's cool because the guy that made it back he really worked for this and and uh we're really proud he's there and you know we have other rodeos but it's so cool to see this guy make the short round probably the night like in a world where estimate to character when you think about all the punk ass college kids out there that are not appreciative or or kind of bitches honestly it is so cool that the Yaquo brothers are rodeoing, and like I'm, I'm serious. I sit and talk to them forever. Just to, have you been around them, Andy? A little bit. I, you know, of course, I've called their name and you know watched them this year and have a lot of success in rodeo. And um, I, I've talked to other people who've said a lot of the same things about uh, them that that you guys have about you know just great men of character and just good people and like to have a good time. Our kind of people, man. Our oh, folks, you know. I love the Yaquos. Coleman Proctor. Nick Sartain, Jed Hillman, uh, Jade Corkill. I could like I've got a lot of really good, good friends in the you know team roping business. You know, yeah, the Smith family, Clay and those guys, and oh, the and, best yeah. people, yeah. Broken Bow, Oklahoma, yes. Clay Smith. He's hilarious. Yeah, great people. I've known. I watched those boys grow up, and just anyway, just a you know salt of the earth kind of family. Good people. So. Anyhow, so since you are a guest and we've uh, not really talked about anything guesty for 14 minutes and 58 seconds, <laughs> you know, one of the coolest things is every time we get somebody on, we like to hear their backstory. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, like we always say it with me and Bone, we're like, we want to tell the real shit, not not like the, the, the kind of the real shit, but like where it started. And Andy, you have got to work Cheyenne. You've got to work DNFR. You've got all the best rodeos in the winter because they're all in the south where it's not freezing cold. While Bone and I freeze our balls off up north, you get, you get to go to uh, Jackson and Lafayette and yeah. Lake Charles and South Haven. and Yeah, all, right, all shut the up. nice buildings. Shut up, Andy. It's not your show. So tell us about your, your <laughs> announcer, how you got just a simple country fishing boy from Louisiana, from Monroe, and here you are now. Talk about that. Well, my dad rodeoed on a very limited basis when he was younger, and him and my mom were dating, and he tried to ride bareback horses. And Anyway, so when I was about 10 or 11 years old, we really got heavily involved in team roping. And uh, we had an arena there at the house, and 
uh, we would we roped a lot. We loved it and uh, qualified for the U.S. Finals three different times and uh, won a couple of state titles in, in our division in Louisiana. And while we were uh, practicing, I would pretend we were at the National Finals Rodeo. At that time, that was my dream, to go to the NFR and the team rope and win a world title. And uh, either that or the steer wrestling. I, I steer wrestled in high school. And so I, uh, I would imitate. You know, like I was an announcer while we were practicing, or we would be watching the old Del Rio bull riding tapes, you know, from back in the gap on VHS. God, I'm old. But anyway, and. No, v- VHS tapes do not make you old. Oh. That is just. Come on, Andy. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I would imitate and pretend I was announcing that event, and I was doing it one day, and uh, my mom said, you know, I think you ought to try that. And I said, what? She said, that announcing deal. And I said, no, nah, I want a rope. She said, no, seriously, I think you'd be really good at it. And uh, she said, I dare you to try it. So on a dare from my mom, I uh, got involved with some people that had a little local play day association. If you're from any small town America, you know what I'm talking about, little play days. And I uh, had some experience DJing, so I had quite a music collection. I'm a huge music fan. You know, I've run production and music and rodeo, too. And anyway, I, uh, I took my cassette deck and two speakers and a microphone, and I went, and I worked from 7 o'clock in the morning to 3 a.m. the next morning, and they paid me 100 bucks, and I was like, whoa, all right. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't. How, you know? how old would you be at the time when you were doing oh, this? Probably in my early 20s, around 20, so when all of that really started, and I didn't know what I was doing, um, and looking back on that now, I'm kind of glad I didn't try to pattern myself out of you know, after someone else or whatever, you know, I'm pretty much an original and pretty proud of that. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but apparently I was good at it. They enjoyed it. And, uh, they asked me back a couple of times. I had a good friend of mine named Shorty Norrit. He was a bull rider and, uh, he called me up one day and he goes, Hey, he says, uh, aren't you doing some announcing stuff? And I said, yeah, I've like done a couple of play days and one high school rodeo for Dickie McBride and those guys in Ritter. He said, yeah, well, you remember the bareback rider, Scotty Lovelace? And I said, yeah. He said, well, he bought Rabbit Litton's Rodeo Company, and he's been looking for an announcer. So This is before cell phones, guys. So he said, I'm going to give Scotty your number and have him call you. So I'm sitting around the house and waiting on the phone to ring, and it was Scotty. And Scotty and I met, and he had ambitions and goals to, you know, to go to the top of the business or whatever. And we learned a lot together. I was very blessed to be able to get in with Scotty. He, uh. And, man, we just started doing rodeos, and uh, it just one thing turned into another. And then I got an opportunity to meet Stace Smith, and Stace was getting into business and was able to go and, and help Stace and do some deals. And uh, it just progressed from that point. You know, in 1995, I bought my pro card. I starved to death till about 2002, or around in there. And uh, things kind of picked up for me and caught on and got a chance to go work with Roger Mooney and Gizmo at the uh, – Dodge National Circuit Finals in Pocatello. Yeah, before it was the the Ram stupid ass NFR Open, right? So makes no sense. That's kind of my backstory, and I've always been involved. I was, in, you know, I know looking at me now, but I was a pretty good athlete in high school and played all star baseball, and I was a three year all district offensive lineman for a five A high school uh, in Louisiana. So it was Friday night, you know, high school football yeah. and partying, chasing the girls and. Saturday morning going hunting or whatever, and then rodeoing, you know, on Saturday night and Sundays. And that's just how it all came about. And, uh, 
just, man, I've been blessed. I really have. You know, you, anybody that's successful that tells you they didn't catch a break here or there, has somebody help them, they're, they're lying. You've got to have, you've got to have somebody, you know, kind of step in and, and help you out and, you know, push you and, and that sort of stuff. And I was just involved with the right people and, and things got to going. And I, I've always been a fan of rodeo. And so I, I, I think in my style of announcing, I'm a fan up there. And I think it, it relates well to the people because they know I'm enjoying what I'm watching and uh, transfer that to them and create those emotions uh, for the show. So that's kind of the backstory on how it got started. And I'm still an avid outdoorsman. And, and uh, I, I guide hunts. I've been guiding waterfowl hunts in South Arkansas and North Louisiana for nearly 30 years now at some level. And uh, for the last 20, I've been at this uh, same outfit. We have a wonderful place there. Ended up figuring out you'd like to have a cousin that has uh, one of our ranches, the Hooray Ranch. Yeah, JV, JV's Balls. Yeah, that's him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> JV's Balls. Yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got started in, in, in the rodeo business. And uh, uh, things just took off from there. And I've been very fortunate, you know, and uh, – you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of feathers in your hat. One thing I'm really proud of is they entrusted me to be one of the voices at the very first American in 2015 in AT&T Stadium. I mean, this was a, oh, that's right. a brand new, that. a brand new deal, you know, and it was, uh, it was, uh, a lot going on. It was organized chaos at its finest that first year. Nobody knew how it was going to go. And uh, we had come there was, out. There was a lot of haters that didn't want the American to work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Rodeo people, like there was there was rodeo people that that's stupid. They were like, oh, this is you not. Know, a yeah, it, it was because it was non-sanctioned, and you know, it was something different. It was and, two million bucks though, or a million yeah, bucks. Richie Champion Richie, enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Him and old Assault there from Raptor G. Not one Assault. What was what? it? Assault. Oh yeah, the it was Assault. The Buckskin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure Rump. I was yeah, there. it was. Yeah. Wow, of all people, you don't remember that? They're freaking savant, horse, bucking horse savant. I did. It, You're it, like the Rain Man of bucking horses. I know. And you don't remember that? Uh, I do remember it's a Raptor G horse. It probably was assault. It, yeah. No, it, it not probably. Game. It was. Yeah, we'll check the archives. We'll Google it. Well, I get mixed up sometimes because uh, the other, and I know it wasn't, but War Admiral and some of them horses. All kind of run together sometimes, but 2015, Richie Champion. I'm sure it was assault. Is a buckskin horse? That's correct. Are you googling it right now, Moan? You are Don't googling about it. it. You are Google. I see you on your Google machine. Our chief technical. Hey, Richie, you're uh, you're you're getting recorded on uh, uh, Rump Chat right now. We're with Andy Stewart and Rump and Rump is. <laughs> no, I didn't please say confirm it wasn't. that you won the million on assault from Rafter G. I did indeed. Okay. Yes, I, I was never, correct. Okay, so I, I never it, said it. I said Thanks good for you. Richie. See you in Prescott, brother. Wow, that was just a real asshole. <laughs> no, he went straight to the source. I like that. That's effective. <laughs> That's right what there. Bone does. Like, yeah. I can't get it shit. Like, if I go, hey, I changed my socks two days ago, he's going to call five people to verify <laughs> it. Like, Bone... <laughs> Like Bone, he won't even yeah. he won't let me fudge any story. Like even in Vegas, we'll be talking to somebody, <laughs> like a, a singer that we really don't know, and I'll be like, "Man, I," and he'd be like, "Hey, Ralph, have you heard my music?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've downloaded all your songs." And Ham was like, "Pull your phone out and show it." Oh, like, what a prick! <laughs> no, oh, wow! No, no, Bone. now Bone. you're being sensitive. I've shot you. Sound like the announcer stand at I'm in Oklahoma. <laughs> I oh should have known God. that assault. That's my fault, but. 
that uh, that back to, it's been a long summer I, i've got a broken foot <laughs> today's Here the first day again. of summer yeah <laughs> this poor guy in his foot but no it's not it's the his fr- foot you're right Andy. Got, it's his foot he's got bandy packing ice over there he's got a certain uh, ice chair that he needs bandy accidentally dito i bandy accidentally stole two bags of ice from a quick shop he said, no, he didn't. You told him to get them, Dad. I forgot to pay for them. <laughs> now the truth comes out. There. Bandy, just be quiet. Okay. This is Rump Chat, not Bandy Chat. Anyhow, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the hunting uh, thing because I was thinking about this when I broke my foot, which was horrible. Um, I got to be up on the uh, the stands, in the, the announcer stand with Andy and uh, Andy Siler and Boyd, and almost every guy that had a – bio you know for the college finals they filled out you would not believe almost everyone said oh, they're yeah. they're they're um something they like to do is hunting which is just like, crazy didn't you do that in high school rodeo you filled it out you know what do you like and every every dude if you didn't put hunting down well in iowa it was wrestling and hunting <laughs> but hunting like everyone said hunting and like you know i um like we talked about the other day that show hunting wars with Casey Field and them guys on it, like it's a big hunting and rodeo and the Western way of life is a, a huge deal. And and being from Monroe, Louisiana, you've been around the uh, you've got to be around the Robertsons from Duck Dynasty. Oh yeah, which is stupid huge. And being an outfitter like your yourself, neighbor, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they just live on the other side of the river. I actually I don't know Phil that well or Willie or Jace. I've been around them, but like Big Martin and Godwin. I've hunted with you know with Martin a couple of times. He's he's a great guy, highly intelligent individual. By the way, you wouldn't know that, but extremely smart. And Big Godwin back in the day, Samich, he used to try to ride bulls back in the Gap. And uh, him and Sire are big fans of rodeo. They they enjoy rodeo. Did they come to Cross it one year? Yeah, they did. They actually filmed an episode there in the arena there at Cross it of Sai riding a bull. And, and of course, you were in West Monroe, their hometown. And from time to time, they. You know, they come to the rodeo and, uh, you know, they, they support it. So, uh, and it's just a, nat- you know, genetically as, as male human beings, we, that, the, the, the hunt, you know, the whole physical, you know, the, we're hunting, we're, we're genetically predisposed. Killing birds. And yeah. And, and I love it. It's a billion, billions of dollars in the industry. I, the lodge that I work for, uh, the same gentleman that owns us, owns the Hooray Ranch and some places in Mexico and. It's amazing, amazing at the people that will pay big time money to come on a quality hunting trip. And I mean, it's just a complete, you know, its own entity, its own industry that's exploded really in the past, you know, 20 years or so. Whereas used to, there was, and we're pretty fortunate where I live, lots of public hunting and people just went and hunted. But now it's, man, there's so much money involved and everybody, you know, wanting to do it. And, Guys just got it figured out now. Well, we'll just pay, and we'll go on a three- or four-day hunt, you know, and pretty much guaranteed a quality experience. So Yeah. It, okay. Go ahead, Ant. Go ahead, Rump. So I, and I don't know this, but, like, uh, the people that pay for these big hunts, like, they tip. If, if you do a good job and they get to kill some cool shit, they tip just ridiculous, right? Because Kane uh, Riddle... Benny okay. Butler's yeah. When Kane was guiding deer hunts at the Butler Ranch in Oklahoma, if somebody would kill a quality deer, they would give him like a thousand bucks cash. Oh yeah, 
we you know we get paid per day it's just it's not a, a not a big fee but the reason i do it too is because i i love to hunt and where we we hunt mm-hmm. with our clients and so it's an opportunity for me to get to hunt at a world-class place and i'm a socialite anyway i enjoy people and uh and and i get to go out and hunt with them and do all of these great things and if you treat people right and you take care of them and you put out the effort to get them on the birds and 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 not always do we kill them don't make no mistake it's still hunting and they're still wild animals you know but most everybody they they already have a predisposed amount in their mind that you know if they have a good hunt what they're going to tip when they come but it's it's not uncommon for us to make a couple thousand you know in three days just off tips you know and shooting ducks man perfect life yeah sitting in the blind and and calling them in that's now does i've seen some crazy blinds yeah like on on reels and stuff and videos like i mean one with a with a griddle you know, oh yeah the guy cooking bacon and eggs oh, that'd be me and you bone and yeah. well no, we, dude we, down, we, we, we down behind the the boys yeah we we don't have anything like that because we're legit like hunting where so we that, are so it's not legit if, if you cook well, it, it is but like we have over three thousand acres and, and we farm for these ducks we plant food for them we have water control structures we have the ability to flood it uh, when we want to it's all planted in millet so i mean we we're literally farming for ducks and uh when you got three thousand acres you know so let's just say you have four of those big nice plants well, what if the birds aren't using that area that day so what we like to do is we stay mobile we use stools and we use the actual terrain uh the bushes and the cover and we go it's kind of a oh. really unique up close and personal experience i mean we're right down there hunkered down in the bushes with them and you know, in your face kind of duck hunting action. And um, we've got a lot of return clientele, which when our new owner bought us, he said, that's unusual. Y'all have something we don't have at our other lodges, and that's return clientele. You've got guys that have been hunting with you guys for 15 years. And that's because of the experience. You know, it's all part of it. I'm kind of the face of the lodge. You know, I'm the I'm the joke teller, the entertainer, you know, play guitar, that sort of thing. And you know, go out and, you know, these guys, a lot of them are, they're trapped in a corporate world 24-7, and they're just, their minds are just wrecked and under a lot of stress, and they come down to the lodge, and they get into bourbon, and, you know, relax and have a good time, and shoot skeet, and shoot ducks, and get on the ranger, and just ride around, you know, and it's just, uh, it's the whole experience uh, that, that makes it really cool, and man, I love it, I absolutely love it, um, and very fortunate to, to work at Crooked Bayou Lodge, by the way, if you're interested Hell in yeah, outstanding duck hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Say that again. Crooked Bayou Lodge. We are in Portland, Crooked Arkansas. Crooked Bayou Lodge. Well, you know that. So if y'all want to go hunt some, some ducks and something, go go hang out with Andy Stewart. I promise you, you, you won't find a better storyteller. Or a good time, or a damn or a good guitar player. player, but or, yeah, I mean, just well, there's a lot better guitar players. But uh, there, are, <laughs> let me just say this: uh, uh, there are musicians and magicians. A musician actually knows how to play the guitar. A magician just makes you think he knows how to play the guitar. I'm the I'm the, the uh, latter of those two. So, but it's a I good time. It. It's a good time. I get to be around good people. I mean, I'll tell you one of the greatest stories ever, guys. And. It was funny. We we have a, a back area right off the back of the lodge, and at the time it wasn't. It's a locker room now, but it was kind of a screened-in deal, and everybody was sitting around, and 
having drinks and guys were smoking cigars and we were talking about the, the next morning hunt and getting ready to go and what time they needed to be ready to leave out and all of this and there was a stoic gentleman in his mid to late 60s very well dressed and uh he's standing over there and he's smoking a cigar and was sipping on some scotch hadn't said much all night so i told all the guys you know hunting camp talk and i was like look guys i'm telling you i don't know what your morning routine is but i'm just telling you now get up we're gonna leave at 5 30 i mean we're not waiting at 5 30 we're rolling out you need to be suited up in your waders and your gear and on the bike at 5 30 to head out and I said, so, like, if you need to be up an hour, hour and a half, have your coffee, get things moving, if you know what I mean. I said, because I can <laughs> promise you. Get shit. Taking a shit yeah. is what you mean. Taking a deuce. That's right. I said, because it never fails, guys. You could have been constipated for the last 15 years of your life. The minute you put on a set of chest waders and get away from the lodge, you're going to have a movement. So this guy, he hadn't said much. And so he takes a sip of his scotch and puff off his big stogie. And he goes, yeah. See, it reminds me of one time a friend took me hunting and said, we waded out in this Tupelo gum swamp and said, I had about two inches before I was going to go over the top of my waders. And he said, it was 20 minutes for daylight. And he said, it was that day, that exact moment in time that I figured out there is a big difference and I got to shit and I'm going to shit. So... <laughs> There is a difference. So, anyway, lots of great people, man, that, that you meet. I got to hang out with Allison Krauss, who's uh, one of her guitar players. He's got, like, eight Grammy Awards, you know. So, you, you never know who's going to come through. Some members of Blake Shelton's band have been down to yeah, hunt he, with us. He's a big hunter. Yeah, you just, you, meet, uh, you just meet all kind of people from all walks of life. And uh, it's an interesting, interesting industry, you know. And the one thing you have in common is – the outdoors you know i told somebody one time it's almost a spiritual experience for me to be out there and, and all of god's creation you know to watch the sun come up and the wind blow and you you watch these birds that migrate every year and you're just um, in reality you're just a speck on the on the map and to be able to to command those ducks and call them and work them into that one little spot in this entire universe and an opportunity to take that game. That's, that's, it's pretty cool, man. I, I love every, every minute of it. That's awesome. We, we've got to get a rump chat weekend. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we need to go bear. We don't, hunt. have you ever, have you ever hunted duck or geese or anything? No, else? any I, upland oh, game, any here, upland game. Here, here's the thing growing up, Ron Crumford, Still doesn't have a gun. Uh, we never have a gun. But, you know, at the ranch in Abbeville, we had pheasants. We mm -hmm. had pheasant hunters all the time. Kansas, big-time pheasants. Yes. Oh, big cock country. Right. Those are the only ones you that. can shoot. <laughs> big cock. Get it? Anyhow, um, so, yeah, so my hunting experience went like this. Uh, my Uncle Cliff and my Uncle Jack and Uncle Larry, they're all really big into hunting. They said, we want you to go hunting. I was like, man, I want to go hunting. They said, you have to go through uh, hunter safety courses. So for four Saturdays, from like 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, I went to hunter safety at the Arlington, Kansas cafeteria. Oh, that's awesome. And it was boring as shit. <laughs> it was the worst class ever. Shoot. Yep. Don't shoot. <clears throat> no, you can yep. say shit on Rump Chat. Um, so I do that, and then opening day, it's like in November – in Kansas, and all my uncles, they all are cattle ranchers, so they own a just a shit ton of land in Reno County, Kansas. So we, uh, they have a 
Hunter's breakfast at my Uncle Jack and Aunt Kay's. And um, we get there. So, you know, I, back then I hated getting up early. Get, a, get up at what four. do you mean back, back then? then? Yeah, that I was back he still then? doesn't like 16. To get well, I still don't I like mentioned golf at 7 30, and you would have thought that I kicked him in the ball. I don't, I'm not an early person, so I get my <laughs> shut up, baby. Back then. So, anyhow, I, I get up and it's cold. I'm talking cold, Kansas, shitty weather. <laughs> it's cold. We go to my, my aunt and uncle's and we eat breakfast, which was awesome. And then we go out to this Milo field and walk like 45 miles maybe 70 miles, and it's freezing cold, and we shoot, like, <laughs> three birds, and I'm like, this is the dumbest shit ever. And I just – and that's when I retired. It's just like my golf deal, you know. Like, I just – I never got into hunting, but the the longer that I'm alive, the more hunting is intriguing to me because, you know, one of my best friends growing up, Justin Vote JV, is just a diehard hunter. And one of my best buddies from home, Jeff Greer, uh, is a diehard hunter. But – JV, where he guides hunts, it, the hunting deal is just getting bigger and bigger. And like Andy said when he was talking about the corporate jobs, I think that people are just so smoked of being in town and being around people and dressing up. I think that the longer that this society moves on, the more there is an appeal, uh, not just for hunting, but I think that's why the, the reason rodeos are blowing up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because people yeah. are so freaking sick of a nine-to-five job, and, and, and it just sucks. Like, I told the guy the other day, and he thought I was stupid, but he was at the college finals. He was, uh, I did an interview, and he's like, I can't believe uh, – you, are you the craziest or stupidest guy that, that you know? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, when you got hurt, you were hooked up against the fence, and you acted like it was no big deal. He said, you are absolutely crazy. And I said, I don't agree with that. I said – you know what I think is crazy is getting up every morning and going to a nine to five job here, here. Amen. Until you turn 65 yeah. and then wait 10 years and die. Yeah. And I don't mean that the way it is, but I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think that the Western way of life, the outdoors, the freedom that, that Andy's talking about, it gets bigger every year because think about everybody's lifestyle. It's, it's all so scripted and shitty even when it's good, like these businessmen, they like Matt Birch was saying, like he's got these rich people that come to Wyoming, and sometimes they get so drunk they don't even make the hunt because they just well, want to get away. Well, that happens quite often, and, and, yeah. and that's what I, I I was looking up. Um, so sorry to go off. There. Uh, my no, no, you're right because my my boss here uh, in Angelo, he was, we were, he's like, hey, you know, we're he knows the Birches. Birches used to bring stock here, and. Um, you know, and he's like, "Hey, see what it, what it is to to come shoot a muley, to mule deer up there." You know, the Birches are the uh, the largest landowners in three counties. Yeah, and they have in some Wyoming. monster mule deer there. Monster mule deer. Guess how much it is to shoot a deer? I'm gonna say 15 G. Well, that actually, you know, yeah, nine thousand. Okay, and then sometimes 9, there's trophy 000. fees, right? Yeah, and but but. Like, like, I mean, I've talked to Matt extensively about this. I've been to the hunting lodge. Those guys, like you're saying, these guys just want to come have fun. And Matt and Anna's cooking, and you got Matt is just entertainment to the max. Oh, yeah. And they're hearing the stories of the shit that we do in the rodeo business, that he's seen in the rodeo business. And these guys that, you know, crunch numbers all day. 
or dealing insurance policies or just just office work and they're going like like a lot of our listeners again god bless you guys you know the world can't go around without you but uh you know they go and <laughs> they spend some time with andy or a matt birch and they're like what the f- frick am i doing well, you know like dip, dip if, some if stuff drink like, some whiskey some, yeah yeah some live people, a little people bit. really do that you know so um it it is cool it is cool and and i love that i would love and would so love here's the deal rom yeah here's, no, we, here's, we would be shitty hunters no we, here's how it's gonna no, go i can i can i actually, love to hunt i would take you hunting in the afternoon i, I could do that so like you I, could I, sleep I in and then mark our chef we have a full breakfast buffet, biscuits, gravy, fried eggs, scrambled eggs, tomato gravy, bacon, sausage, grits. Come on now. I'm everything. In. And then we could just chill out, shoot some skeet. About 1 o'clock, we could go out and make a hunt. I can make it work for you guys. Drive you right to where you're going to sit. You yeah, won't I, have to walk more than 10 yards. Well, with this bad foot, I can't. Oh, I, no. You puss. Here we I, go. Andy, I'm coming. I'm coming because so so Sydney is along the Missouri River, right? Right, um, yep. Six miles. So um, I had great friends that uh, they had a lodge there. Um, the flood, the first flood in 2011 killed it. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it, it wiped it all out. But they had they had just... They were just concrete, and these are in cornfields. Yeah. So that that third crops, right? They're they're coming in the geese, big time geese. Um, they're coming in, laying on them cornfields, and they had concrete bunkers that they had uh, put in, and um, they they got filled up with sand, obviously in the flood. Uh, but um, it was it it is so cool to go. You sit in there, and they're like duck hunting, geese hunting, whatever. And they're calling them in. <laughs> And that's my type. You're just sitting there. Yeah. Okay. Here they come and they go, okay, that. get ready. Get ready. And they're just, you know, doing their little call. And I was like, go pop, 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 pop. And, um, yeah, I, I, I remember first going and my brother-in-law, Corey took me, uh, with some friends, the Jorgensen boys, great guys. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, what was that type of duck? There was a mud duck. That, was it a mallard? Me- they called it a mud duck, uh, a coot, like, a mud hen. Yeah, it's a coot. Yeah, they tried. They were they. You know, they're like, okay, it was a single, and this some bitch flies over and a cajun, cajun, I miss the son of a bitch. You know, right? And then there was a a, a teal. Yeah, teal. Yeah, I've heard of a teal. which is small. A teal bird, is right? like the size of. It's just a bit bigger than a quail. I mean, it's not big and flies extremely fast. Yeah, but they were like, okay, here it comes, here it comes, here it goes. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom. <laughs> they, they got more entertainment value out of watching me miss ducks. Well, and you telling that story is, and Rump was talking about why guys come. A lot of what we do and the reason it's so popular is the fellowship you have with other men out there, you know, telling Amen. jokes and, and you know, and grab-assing around and, you know, being able to shoot guns and that sort of thing and just a really relaxed atmosphere and, you know, the camaraderie, you know, you, there's nothing. All you have to worry about is, all right, we're going to shoot a few ducks and there's a huge breakfast waiting on us back at the lodge, you know, and I can take oh. a nap or – I can go out and shoot skeet or whatever, you know, just that that freedom and that camaraderie and fellowship. But I'll tell you, the, the thing hunting is now, and it's business uh, because we have a lot of corporate 
people that come and let's just say ham bone and rumps excavation service and you guys you know you did excavation work all over the country or you sold equipment there's customers that you want to maybe try to, to get or customers you want to show appreciation to and so these companies they will buy four or five days in the lodge and then they'll filter in and out and bring their their clientele in and out and ones they're trying to you know whether so, trying so they're to trying to trying yeah. to big dick their people and well, you know, no, just, you know, get them on board or say thank yeah. you, you know, for being a customer yeah. of ours for okay. 20 years. We want to we want to take you guys hunting to show you thank you. Yeah. We appreciate it. Your... Taking them to dinner. I mean, exactly. on a grand scale, but exactly. taking them to dinner. Well, I mean. Whining and dining. The you guns go. and ducks. Yep. My nephew, Jaden, is a avid hunter. And just the, what it cost, the ungodly. That's stupid, <laughs> Like man. the. If you want to be a hunter, it costs more than being married. The, <laughs> but like the equipment, like the 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 coats and shit, like it is not cheap. No. to be a hunter. I the, the waders that I wear are eight hundred and fifty dollars. Why are are they worth eight hundred and fifty? Because, because you don't freeze. Well, here's my thought on that because I I've often compared this because I hate when non rodeo people. Say, well, why would you pay three thousand for a saddle when you get one for two hundred bucks? Like, there's a big difference between three thousand and two hundred. Absolutely. But the the hunting equipment has elevated to a ridiculous amount over the years. Like, it is a. I'm not going to say it's a racket because I'm not saying it's not worth the money, but hunting equipment is crazy expensive yeah and it's crazy too people in general if they feel like if they pay more for something it doesn't matter they automatically think that it's better it's like you know a seat at a rodeo or at a ball game you know they want to pay the big money and when they're in front of other people uh they want to say oh those guys are sitting on the front row or when they show up to hunt oh that guy's got the best gear and that money can buy and i see a lot of that but from a guide standpoint I grew up hunting. I didn't have a bunch of nice crap, man. I was like, I literally, Justin. But did you even care? Because, like, no, I was the just way you grew up, you're like, man, let's just hunt. Who yeah. cares? I would take trash bags and double them and put them on my feet and pull them on my legs and duct tape them to my jeans. And then I would put on a pair of black rubber boots. And those were my waders. I hunted many a day, like froze to death. And all I ever said was, one of these days, I'm going to have enough money that I can buy nice stuff where I'm comfortable doing what I love to do and uh you know like those waiters I got now they're like wearing jogging pants man they're quilted lined on the inside they're comfy like you can nap in these things they're awesome <laughs> and they're waterproof and they're warm you can nap and, in these yeah. oh yeah yeah it, it's it's cool man to be able to do that and and go out and and um I, I'm not at liberty to say but there's something coming down the line that I'm gonna be involved with that, that's gonna tie rodeo um into hunting and uh you know, there's a lot of guys. Good friend of mine, Dustin Bokeh, NFR bull rider. He's an avid bass fisherman. He's Absolutely. very good at You talk about KC and all of those guys. And so when we step outside our world in the rodeo arena, that's a whole other realm that, that we haven't tapped into. And uh, anyway, it, it's going to be interesting when it all comes about to, to see the, you know, the comparison between the guys that are, that are, that are good in rodeo and what they do in the spare time in the outdoors. I'm pretty pumped about it. So that's coming well, down the line later. How about everybody's favorite bull rider, uh, you know, right now, Ernie. Or Ernie Bob, Bob Corson. Ernie Bob. He's a commercial fisherman. You know, he exactly. looks like a commercial fisherman in a good way. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, Bernie Bob is redneck. I mean, he's a Florida redneck, and that's what he does. I mean, that's how he provides for his family. You talk about Phil Robertson. I mean, that's what Ernie Bob does. He goes and he catches fish and sells fish to these fish markets and stuff. I mean, that's what he does for a living, and that's a, you know, you look at it how you want to. That's your own ball, self-employment. You know, you're out every day in the outdoors doing that and and making money doing it. Uh, you know, that's to me that's that's freedom to me. So hell yeah. So I got a question. So if, as a as a guide and uh, somebody that takes these different hunters, do you ever get a group of hunters in, and you don't have to say specifics, but yes. you ever get, get a group in and be like. I, I can't wait for these bastards to leave. Yeah. What a douche. Yeah, there's one particular group that I'm glad doesn't come back anymore. I mean, they were just, like, out of hand. I'll tell you the story. So, they these guys were, I mean, there's always drinking going on, you know, at the lodge. We don't allow drinking while we're hunting. But well, yeah, back to the lodge or whatever. But, I mean, these guys are just filthy rich and just get out of hand. And they were shooting dice on the pool table out in the saloon. And the one guy had lost about 12 Gs. And so he, yeah, it's like three o'clock in the morning. He's all fouled up. He's been drinking vodka and Red Bull all night and whatever else he was doing. And he goes outside and we don't see him for a while. Well, we all go to bed and about 4.30, the phone at the lodge rings and wakes the owner up and all this. So when I tell you we're in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, we're in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. Well, the man across the gravel had catfish ponds and he had a little shed. <laughs> God, this is funny. He had a little shed out there, and it had a light under it. Well, this guy is so fouled up. He gets in his brand-new F-350 King Ranch. He thinks this is an ATM in the middle of godforsaken nowhere. So he's going to drive to the ATM, but instead of driving to the ATM, there's no road that goes. He runs a brand-new F-350 King Ranch, had a 1,000 miles on, in a six-foot-deep catfish pond. The only thing sticking out is about four inches of the windshield and the cab lights, and you can literally hear the horn under the water, <laughs> alarm going off, and this guy's out there. So the entire lodge gets woken up. We have to go out there and get a tractor and hook to this guy, go out in this catfish pond, hook a chain, and drag this guy out of there. I mean, just crazy stuff. that. They don't come anymore. He shot up, like, he came out of the lodge one night, this guy, Jake did, and uh, he was messed up again. And we have, out from the lodge, we have what we call the saloon. It has a pool table, dartboard, fire pit, big screen TV, all the stuff. You know, where everybody just kind of hangs. And uh, anyway, so it has a propane tank that sits between it and the lodge, about four feet from the building. And we have a skunk problem. So, you know, it's kind of cool. We'll let the clients we'll kill those skunks. Well, Jake comes out. And the skunk scurries out across there. Well, he grabs a 12-gauge shotgun as this skunk is going by this propane tank, and he begins to unload on this skunk. And shots hitting the propane oh. tank, oh. and the skunk God. gets right under the edge of the saloon in this hole, and Jake blows him all to pieces. Well, you can only imagine the uh, god-awful stench that went all under the saloon and all up the side of the wall. I mean, it was horrible for like a year. We could not get <laughs> the funk out of the saloon. I, like everybody walking in, like, man, somebody's got some good weed. And like, no, dude, that's uh, that's, that's, that's a damn skunk. That's legit skunk. You oh know, my for real. god! Yeah, it's so it's uh, is there? But do you guys put it like when you when you go to book a hunt? Like, is there any like? 
do's and don'ts posted, or does it just show up and? No, I mean when they or is get it just there, understood. Yeah, it's kind of understood when we get there. You know, as as the lead there, I'm the lead guide. I decide who's going to hunt with who and and all that kind of stuff and different things. And you know, when I get the guys in, they have to sign a waiver. You know, it's it's you know they have to sign a waiver and. We have we have to have proof. We all make sure they have their license and, and, and all that's proper. And we tell them, hey, guys, it's like Vegas here at the Lodge. What happens here stays here. You guys do whatever you want to do or whatever. And, you know, when we go hunting, I, I control the hunt. You know, I there's no drinking or anything when we're hunting. And uh, we get back to the Lodge. You don't drink. Or if you don't want to – if you want to drink all day, you just don't hunt. You're more than welcome to. You know, it's your – you know – you do what you want yeah, to. It's but, your dollar. Yeah, but, I mean, we have to follow laws, naturally, hunting laws in the state and federal laws, too. We can't just go out there and abolish all ducks, you know, if we, you know, if they're there. We have limits that we have to follow. And that's one thing we have to, as a guide, we, you know, you, you stop and think about it when we go out. You know, I'm CPR trained. What if we go out there and a the guy has a heart attack or, or something like that? So, you know, it, there's some things that you have to – you know, you have to be on your A game. There's some guys that come that, that haven't handled firearms very much in their life. I had a guy last year was on one of the most spectacular timber hunts we had. He'd never even shot uh, shot a shotgun before. So, you know, it's teaching these guys, you know. So, wait, wait, let's back up on that. So, he's never shotgun. He booked this hunt. Well, he came with, again, a corporate company booked the hunt, and he was so, one of the invitees. To so, come. is that up to you guys to show them how to do it? Absolutely. And, I mean, I asked Holy them, shit. You know, is there anybody here that's not familiar with firearms? Is anybody anybody here that's never waterfowl hunted before? You know, you just kind of take those guys under your wing when you're around the lodge at night hanging out. You kind of explain to them what the situation is going to be and how things are going to go. So, you know, you, you precondition them to what's going to take place the next day and you know that way when they get there they don't feel uncomfortable or, or whatever but i've literally i was guiding for a guy named ace Cullum, and so ace had a place called pen oak mallards and when i tell you this place was like wild like i mean they're strippers at sometimes and i mean yeah i mean it, it was wild and i was young into the guiding and i got into it because a friend of mine had worked for him and he had to go off pipeline and then uh he said, man, you know anybody's good with people? He said, I got just the guy. So I, I went down there, and, of course, it was screwdrivers from daylight to dark for Ace and Broadnax all day long. And <laughs> Ace had Let's a crazy go. ass. It seems like a normal day for yeah, me. And, he had a crazy <laughs> ass ex-wife that would call the law, and she'd come out there and pack all her shit, and then Ace would get mad and throw all her stuff in the bayou. I mean, it was just a circus going on the whole time, and that was – a unique set of clientele, but we had this really big blind. It was a big, awesome blind, and you took the boat and pulled right up under the blind, and you got on the stairs and walked up in it, and you could hunt 10 people in it. We had a heater in there and a stove, and it was in this really pretty cypress hole. Well, it's before daylight, and I've got this guy from Indiana, and his son and grandson and his grandpa. So the old man is probably in his late 80s, still gets around pretty good, but an older guy, and they owned a, uh, uh, a bunch of theaters in Indiana. Well, the grandson, one of the grandsons was like 20-something years old. Well, I'm on the right end of the blind, and the old man's next to me. He's kind of the matriarch, so I'm taking care of him. And then the other two, well, it's before daylight, and I turn off the lights in the blind, you know, and I tell him, this guy, it's about two minutes before legal shooting hours, go ahead and load your guns. So... I hear everybody loading. Well, I keep hearing this guy on the end down there, and he's dropping shells and all that. 
I look down there and I shine my light. This guy does not have a clue, a clue how to even load a shotgun. So immediately I put grandpa on the other end and brought grandson down there by me. And complete that morning, it was pretty much firearm safety and shooting lessons for that guy, you know. Uh, but that, that's cool in a way, too. You know, you, you, you were able to teach somebody something that they didn't know. Absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, that's that's pretty gratifying, too. And they're, they're thankful for it. And when those guys tip good, you know, hey, thanks for showing my grandson. He was a little embarrassed, but you handled it well, you know, and all of that. So, yeah, you know, a lot of different elements. I, 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 yeah, I've been there, uh, <coughs> you know, over the years going hunting with different groups. And and uh, <clears throat> it I can, I mean, obviously knew how to shoot and took hunter safety as a child. But was it boring you when know, you took it? Um, well, I don't remember. I mean, I was in like fifth or sixth grade, so but it's fine. But God, <laughs> that was a long time but, but, ago. But but uh, you know you you know making those guys comfortable that that's that's a lot because there were probably guys that have the top end gear. You know, oh, those type of guys that I've got the best waders and I've got this Mossberg or whatever Winchester, whatever the best over under shotgun is or i'm you know oh and i have a you know they're arguing over and this guy's like what is an over and under i don't what how do you where you put the shell in it's, how it's, you know it's it's funny so, i can oh go ahead I, I, it's no, like, no, i'm I just saying say. that that's kudos to you for taking those guys and recognizing and making that them and, feel and making them not yeah. feel like a douchebag sure so good at, for you at every group okay so let's just say this, this is one of the our favorite things at the lodge. I have a deal where, and we're on rump chat, so I can tell this. And anyway, hell so, yeah, uh, yeah. Parents, strippers, if, if, cocaine, if, your, and heroin, if your kids go. are listening right now, you might want to have them just move away for a few moments. Earmuffs, earmuffs alert. Anyway, earmuff so alert. Every group that comes has one guy, and he's that guy, peacocking. Uh, you know, chest poked out. He's done just it all. A Been yeah, just one of those guys. There's one in every group, so immediately I recognize this and everybody else in the lodge is in on it. So it depends on, so like they'll come in in the afternoons and we'll meet them and we'll do all this stuff and we'll have dinner and we'll be hanging out around the fire or something outside with all his buddies. And you know, all his friends are like, Oh, this guy, you know, that dude. So I do this to him and I'll say, I'll look at him and go, man, I'm sorry. I, I know I've been staring at you, but I can't help it. I said, dude, I said like, Two weeks ago, my son's friend had a bachelor party. We were at it, and, like, they had some porn on TV. And I said, I swear, there was a guy on there that looked just like you that had one this freaking long. And he goes, yeah, that was me. I said, yeah, he had it in his mouth. And when, <laughs> I'm going to use that. And when that happens, got him. Yeah, got, got him. him. And everybody just at this point, all of his buddies are like high-fiving. You're the man. Oh, my God. You know, some of them pout, but most of them are like, well, you got me, man. So after that, they kind of lose their peacock attitude around. There you but go. That's, that's just so much that. fun, you know. Well, can you – and like you said, like can you spot that? Like when you oh, get a group before you even before they start doing thing, you can know the guy that's going to be. Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's it, uh, think okay for those of you who don't understand. Think Step Brothers movie, and <laughs> the guys at the office, the, his brother, the Catalina wine mixer. Think of those guys. Those yeah. are the guys that the douchers. You, you know that you, you know, Catalina wine mixer. You know I don't yeah. like your face. You yeah. know, or they're, or they're kind change? of like it. Yeah. No, 
They're kind of like Channel Nine Evening News on uh, Anchorman, you know. <laughs> so anyway. well, see, I, yeah. it's just it's so it's so cool for me to think about that because he, you know when you see like rodeo people and yeah. like you kind of you kind of know when they come up that this guy's going to be this way or that way. Or if you see a guy with all the brand new bull riding equipment, that doesn't mean he's good. It just means he's got the money to buy it. Exactly. You're that's a perfect, perfect scenario, a perfect comparison. And we have guys that roll up, you know, we pick them up, they fly aircraft in G G fives and airstreams. And we go to Lake village and pick them up out of these private aircraft and, They'll get out dressed like little Lord Fauntleroy. You know, they got their Filson hats and their shirts tucked <laughs> in and their khakis. Uh-huh. And, you know, that, you know, you could tell those guys immediately. And then everybody else, you know, a bunch of good, we might have a fertilized company that sends a bunch of, you know, fertilized salesmen, mm-hmm. farmer guys up, you know. And yeah, just you ever like get a, some hillbillies in there? Oh, absolutely, dude. We have one company named Altec. They're a major manufacturer. And you've ever seen, uh, a uh, bucket truck, not a bucket truck, but a uh, lineman's truck with a bucket on the back that says Altec. They're Alabama Technologies. They're a huge company. They make a lot of uh, a lot of bucket trucks for line work and a lot of uh, arbor type work, and different things. So they bring a bunch of old boys from uh, Iowa. I've had a bunch of guys from Iowa. Hell that, yeah. That are in the timber business or whatever. They have a tree trimming service or whatever. And they're just country boys, you know, and coming out there to have a good time. They're like just amazed at the lodge and that whole experience and everything so yeah we we get a we get a barrage of of different types of people from all walks of life that that get to come there and uh it's cool but i guess one thing i guess that's this is the tender uh the side of me is man what's really cool is to watch a dad come and bring like i have i've met a guy in alabama who comes every year and he brings his two boys and they he books them only he books the lodge out for two days just nobody else there but you know the workers and his two boys and to you know get to share that time with them you know and they come and make memories with those kids and take pictures and watch them shoot their first mallard duck or you know help them learn how to blow a duck call or teach them something about what we do and how we do it and to see that that fires me up because, man, they're up and they're just fired up at daylight, you know, when you're, like, dragging ass and, you know, you've been hunting for 30 days and, you know, you're, you're drinking coffee just trying to get things motivated and to see these kids and, and you know, just that light in their eye and exciting to be there with their dad and, and be able to be a part of that experience with them, man, that is so uh, gratifying. Uh, I mean, you can't put a price tag on something like that. So, well, I never even thought about no it way. like this, but like you know the the guiding hunts is the, your other job being a rodeo announcer, where you always got or a sound man or a clown when you always have to be on your game, like when you always have to be happy and you always have to be sure personable. You know, I never even thought about that in your other job besides. So everything you do requires whether you're announcing big rodeos. Or working that you know for your outfitters, you're having to be a people person, and that wears on a guy. So like, yeah. I, I could really appreciate that when you can turn it on when you got a dad with a son, and you can still, uh, you know, turn it up and say, "I hope you guys have a good time." Instead of being like, "Man, this sucks," or yeah. you know, it gets old. That that's what kind of keeps a guy motivated. Yeah, you know, you're up every morning four thirty, and uh, 
you're going out, you know, a lot of times it's so, you know, it's cold and we're getting ice off the windshields or the bikes and making sure that all the decoys are there, all the, all the stools, everything we need, making sure that all of these guys didn't forget their hunting license or didn't forget their gun or some piece of equipment that they needed. And that's every morning at four 30, you bounce out of bed and you're, you know, game on, you know, so you got to get up and get geared up for that. And, you know, a lot of times the hunt is not good. You know, it's not going to be that good, but yet, and, but these people, they're here for two, three days. They're, they're fired up like a lady in a shoe store. They're up drinking, partying, ready to, you know, all night long, you know, and you stay up with them to two o'clock in the morning. You, you have to stay up with them? Not necessarily, but I mean, that's part of the job is being a guide, you know, they, everybody's got a million questions that that's the main thing that that really grates on you as a guide is answering the the, the same questions over and over well, it's like rodeo then yeah you know days like well why didn't you know why didn't those birds come in or why didn't you call it those or you know do we need to move over here or, you know uh what kind of what species is that will it be cold where we're going is it going to rain you know do what do i need to wear do you know just you know just questions in general and it's not their fault they're ignorant to it not dumb people just they don't know hunting and so but it just gets really monotonous and repetitive a lot of times and you just have to I mean that's the hardest part of doing it once you get out there you know and you're out there I mean it's second nature we're killing ducks you, you, know? you actually get to shoot ducks when you go absolutely out I wouldn't guide if I couldn't it's our hunting season too a lot of times and I'm gonna be honest oh, yeah. with you you know, you look at it, we have to look at it from a business standpoint. We've spent, or I say we, what our owner has spent $250,000 just in seed, Ooh. just to plant. That's not counting the labor, mm -hmm. the equipment. We have four full-time employees that work at this one lodge. That's all they do all year long is, is work on this place, you know, and make improvements and, and fix stuff and plant the food and all that. So when you look at it from a business standpoint, so I've got the Rumford group coming in and they're coming in on, they're coming in on Thursday to hunt Friday and Saturday. And then I have another group of five that's coming to hunt Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So I have the Rumford group out there. Well, we may have lots of ducks and I take the Rumford group out there and, Nobody in the Rumford group could hit a bull in the ass with a bass fiddle. I mean, it's just you you know immediately, you know, if these guys can shoot or not. So instead of us being out there and shooting up the world for three hours trying to get a limit of ducks, I shoot a lot of ducks. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so, you know, we, we, kind of, we help out. You know, I always let my clientele shoot first. I'm not that guy. You know, I'm telling them, okay, guys. Move, bitch, I'm yeah, shooting. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, guys, all right, get ready. Just don't move. They're coming around to the right. They're going to set up right in front of us, you know. So they're going to be right there. And I say, all right, let's kill them. And they'll come out and, boom, 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 you know, they might kill one. Well, I mean, it's what we do. So, you know, we kill some ducks and, like, nice shot, man. Way to go. You guys wrecked them, you know. So so have you done that where, yeah. you, where you shoot the duck? Absolutely, and you... all the time. <laughs> All the time it You happens. did it, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You got that one. That wasn't me yeah. I missed. Hell of a shot. But if you don't, and here and here's the reason why. It's, if you don't, when the Rumford group, if they hunt that where the, we take them where the ducks are, we're going to take everybody where we have. We feel like we have the best chance to kill birds. We don't show any favoritism to one group or the other. But if I take this one group in and these ducks are in the area and using it, and we sit in there shooting the woods up all morning, we run them out. How, fair, how is that fair to... The guys that are going to come in Sunday 
that have paid the same amount of money to hunt. So our, our, our plan is to get in there, give the guys a great experience, a great hunt, get our birds killed and get out of that area, you know, so that we can, we can hold those birds. That's the biggest challenge to having a guide operation is to keep your game, uh, you know, there's pressure everywhere around. Everybody duck hunts down there around us too. So that 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 pressure is a big thing. So you have to manage that uh, in the way you book hunts, and and you know you have to think about that. Okay, I got this group of five coming in. I've got these ducks over here that are, that we're going to go shoot, and we're going to hunt these birds. I'm going to leave these birds here alone for the next group. So we're really managing. You know, conservation. Yeah, you know, every day, you know, that's what we're thinking. And then when we get through hunting, we got to scout. You know, we got to know where the birds are going. So we got to go for ride around and sit on the levees with binoculars and and all that. Or you know, a local somebody will be deer hunting. We have uh, we uh, we have five deer hunters that lease the entire property for whitetail hunting, and uh, they've been a huge asset to us because they'll go sit in a stand all day on the property. Give me I'll, a tip. Yeah, I'm something like, hey, man. What's what, coming in? Yeah, it's like, man, those ducks, you know, about 2 o'clock started pouring into this particular area. So they don't disturb the birds where we would have to go in there to find them and, you know, and, and sneak in without, oh, yeah. you know, most of the time jumping where they're sitting in a stand. They watch it so they know exactly. So they can give us times, you know, how many, that sort of stuff. So they're, they're really an asset at, at that point, uh, you know, and helping us you know, know where the birds are located, but it's, it's cool job, man. Like I said, it's, uh, I have so many great memories, um, you know, growing up hunting and, and true, it's helped me a lot in, in rodeo and knowing how to, how to handle people, how to treat people, how to understand that, you know, not everybody knows what we know. Uh, and we deal with that with rodeo committees. You know, we go into a meeting or we go into somewhere and some people, volunteers involved with the rodeo community, we just assume that everyone has the same knowledge and the mindset that we do in rodeo because they're a rodeo committee. Well, they might be a banker, you know, the rest of the year, and then they're part of a rodeo committee. They don't, they don't see the rodeo through the same lens that we do. So you have to have the ability to make them understand what's going on and, and what's going to take place. And it's the same way. It's the same way with hunting, you know. So, it's a, so would you say that, that, that guiding hunts really helps, has helped your career as a rodeo Oh, absolutely, because uh, I don't know, you have to be very social. Um, you know, you have to learn how to uh, coexist and be cohesive with people from all different walks of life, and they're in the same group. You know, we may have two groups in. This may be a bunch of rich guys over here that are millionaires, and we may have a group of, like I said, fertilizer salesmen in the same, in the lodge. Well, they're all there together, so we have to be able to entertain and and relate to them. And so it's the same way when you come to an audience as an announcer, you, you don't know who's out there, you know, what they're dealing with in their life or what kind of job they have or how much education they have about what they're going to do. So you have to be able to to encompass all of that, and where you can you can make everybody somewhat comfortable right. and happy. Man, that that's so cool. Like I I know we talk so much about the hunting, but like there's so much of that stuff you told me tonight that I have had no idea about. And I think that's so cool that that you as a NFR announcer, you know, for uh, all you've done in rodeo, what what you've also got to do with hunting because 
I mean, that is two different things that kind of tie together, but at the same time, they kind of complement each other as far as, you know, making you better in each one. Because Absolutely. That is, that's why I tell people all the time, and me and Hambo have talked about it, rodeo is easy. The hardest part is dealing with people. Oh, well, oh, God. that's anything in life, any business that you're in. Sure, You sure. know, but we we are, we're an outlet. Rodeo's an outlet, and so is hunting for people. They buy a ticket to a rodeo, we're an entertainment. Hunting is entertainment for them. So as long as we, you know, Cotton Rosser told me one time at this rodeo when he had it at the hotel, he was sitting down and he had a uh, on a couch in front of a fireplace in the breakfast area, and then there's a big coffee table there and there were like 50 notepads and you know, all this handwritten stuff and cotton sitting there and he's going through it. Well, you know, I knew who he was and never sat down, talked to him. So I've made it a point that I'm going to go introduce myself and I'm going to talk to the King of the Cowboys. I'm going to talk to the legend. And I sat down, of course, he was extremely welcoming like he always was. And uh, the point I'm making is that he told me, he said, son, don't ever forget. We don't entertain with rodeo. We entertain through rodeo. And that, that that stuck with me, you know. Uh, rodeo is the vehicle that we use to entertain through, and we're in the entertainment business, no different than hunting. And you keep that mindset. People people aren't going to buy a ticket to come to something that is not entertaining um, if they don't enjoy it. So that we're under the, that's what we do. We entertain people through rodeo. We entertain people through hunting. It's it's the same game, just a different field, but it's the same game. So yeah, a lot of comparisons and tremendously it's, it's helped me to be able to relate to a lot of people in a, in, a, in a group from all different walks of life. So one final question for me: um, Yeah, if you could only do one or the other, if you could be involved Ooh. in hunting or rodeo. Okay, so Ooh. let's take finances out of it. Yeah, okay. no, money so, free. You can do whatever you want. Uh, you know, uh, I definitely bearded up, camoed up in a duck blind. I mean, I'm that passionate about it. I absolutely love it. I and that's not that's not saying you don't love rodeo. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. Rodeo has been rodeo has been wonderful to me. I'm a fan of rodeo. The people in rodeo are what make our our sport so special to me. It's the people that we get to meet and the people that we're involved with and the the whole cowboy mentality and and hard work and you know family and 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 faith and you know just rodeo it just exudes all of those and you know that's that's my favorite part of it and it's afforded me an opportunity to make a great living provide for my family an opportunity to go out the more and, you rodeo the more you get to hunt yeah it's kind of like being in the it's kind of like being in the army without a chance of dying so that's what I say you know you get to see the world you know you get to go and do things. But if I had to, I mean, if it came down to it, that, look, you got to do one or the other. Yeah, I would, I, I would go hunting. Um, I, you know, it's, it's awesome. That, <laughs> I'm not even a hunter, but I, you know, yeah. I, my son, you know, it, it was really cool. I got to, I, my dad didn't duck hunt. Okay, my dad was an avid deer hunter. He used to take me when I was ten years old, put me in the middle of the woods on a wooden stand at four o'clock in the morning freezing cold with a thermos of hot chocolate some fig newtons and a 30 30 rifle and then he would <laughs> and then he would go hell yeah four or five hundred yards and climb in a climbing stand and he would sit all day i mean he just all day and i'm just bored as hell sitting there you know cold in any way but 
when I got into junior high, some friends of mine that I played football with, their dads were big duck hunters, so they took me hunting. And it's ironic that the first place I ever went hunting is literally right behind where I live now, within a half a mile. So I, I fell in love with it. And I learned really quick as I as I got into hunting, I said, "Man, you gotta have you gotta have some money to play this game." But it's fun. I said, "I don't have that kind of money, you know." And Dad ain't gonna fork over the kind of money it takes. But what I learned real quick was, not everybody knew how to call ducks good. Not everybody had a dog. So I figured out right quick if you want to get to go with the, the big boys and the rich guys, if you get a good dog and you learn how to call ducks and understand the art of working ducks, you're going to get a lot of invites to go. And I, I learned that, and I, I put a lot of time into it. And then uh, being a socialite and, you know, being able to get along with all types of people helped out. But the cool thing about it is I got to teach my son that, and now he's ten times better than I am. He makes his own duck calls now. Check it out, Crew Calls. That's K-R-E-W calls crew calls you can get in contact with me i can can help you find him you know you can check him out Cash on facebook diggity, baby. yeah and he's, diggity. you know he goes and blows in competition calls and different things like that but you know to, to be able to teach him that and to watch him progress and, and fall in love with it like i did and then you know make his own duck call and be able to market it in that and that's now, cool and now i have a grandson that we're going to be able to to raise up in that culture and you know along with rodeo and hunting too I mean, that's the cool part about it you know we got to teach the next generation it doesn't matter if it's rodeo politics hunting whatever if we don't train the next generation they're they're not going to know and you know that kind of stuff eventually goes away so that that's a really cool part of it that well, and they're trying to we never get political on rump chat i don't want to be but Man, honestly, I feel like that, you know, being men is being targeted. You know, sure, to, absolutely. I feel like being a man, like doing man shit. Masculinity like, is am, under look, attack. And I, I totally disagree with you. You don't talk politics on Rum Chat. Not, that's cool, whatever. But I think that's the biggest problem. Evil prevails when good men do not stand up and speak out. And I'm very unapologetic, you know, about, you know, my views or whatever. I, I don't transfer them over the microphone that's not my job but you know you're just going to sit down and talk to me and on a one-to-one -one basis i you know what i'm not unapologetic in, in what i believe in and what i feel is right and i'll be you know i just for example i'm the kind of guy and if if i hear somebody in a conversation and they're talking about rump and maybe it's not a good thing or whatever and I know it's not the truth. I'm going to be the guy that's going, wait a minute, Han. Hell that's, yeah. That's not true. I don't know where you got that information, but wherever you got it from, you need, you need to tell whoever it is that's lies and they need to quit talking trash about this man or whatever uh, because it's not true. And if you don't, if you don't insert yourself in those situations and when you know what the truth is and you don't stand up for the truth, then the lie wins right. all the time. And it's the same way in, in, in life, too. You know, it's you, you've got to stand up. You know, what old Aaron Tippin song? You got to stand for something or yeah, you'll fall for anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, have you ever, yep. have you ever thought we'd be at a time in life where they'd be making uh, bathing suits where you can tuck your balls underneath? How, how sick <laughs> is that? I mean, what come the on. Hell? I mean, do, do not shop at Target. 
And I know. Target was my wife's. Yeah, I mean, Tarje. all of our wives. Men is Tarje. Tarje. Men are being targeted. Like they're not they're anymore. Saying, they're saying you um, don't want to hunt. I, I do saw all a that. thing. This is kind of cool. Um, I saw Ben Shapiro. I love Ben Shapiro. Yeah. So he's smart. He, he's. I guess so. Ron DeSantis was at at uh, Ponca City. Yeah, you know the, the Florida governor is probably going to run for president. Oh, he is. And and he. Um, he was uh, in Reno, I guess. And yeah. He jumped behind the bar at a bar. He jumped behind the bar and he said, he started serving drinks. He says, I'll serve any drink you want except Bud Light. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. He, yeah. Ron DeSantis, when he came to Ponca City, that was actually pretty badass. Governor Stitt. And Ron DeSantis sit up behind the uh, buck and shoots. And Garrett Yergin got to announce him there. The funniest thing is the picture that made CNN, it said uh, Governor St- Oklahoma Governor Stitt endorses Ron DeSantis. But the picture was Garrett Yergin shaking Ron DeSantis' <laughs> hand. Oh, Garrett. Yeah, there you like go. Garrett was endorsing him. But but honestly, you know, like being a male is kind of being attacked. and, and that, all, that all stems from fear. Justin, here, here, here's my opinion on them. Give me my two cents worth, and I'm done. It's the people that are in the in the different communities. I'm the kind of guy live and let live. I, if you, you live your life the way that you want to, you have the freedom to do that, and that is your choice. That is not. I have nothing against it. If you want to be trans, if you want to have whatever, if you want to be gay, I have gay members in my family. I love them to death. Don't agree with their lifestyle? Never will. Doesn't change the fact that I that I still love them and care about them. My problem is stop trying to shove it down everybody's throat. Right. You know, it's such a small percentage of the population that are in those those minute groups, but yet they make the most noise and they sacrifice the betterment of the whole to satisfy those 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 few people. Right. They feel like they have to, and they do it. And I think a lot of people, don't get me wrong, I think a lot of people do it from a good place in their heart, like they, they're compassionate and they, they don't want to see anybody discriminated against or whatever, and I understand that. And But the fact of the matter is it, it's biblically, genetically, biologically, against everything. It goes completely against everything in nature, the way everything is designed. So it's obviously not the way it's supposed to be, okay? The evidence is there. So for them to try to convince me all the time and force me to accept that, that's where I have the problem. Right. You know, if you want to do that, that's fine. You go do you. I have no problem with that. But quit shoving it down my throat, making us try to accept it and become the norm. And my children and grandchildren yeah. are seeing this, and and they're they're you know their their little minds when they're so young, they're they're putting all of this stuff into their head. And I, I'm telling you, it, it's terrifying, man. It is. It's really terrifying. Yeah, I think trying to indoctrinate us. Yeah, I think that's that, why that, people that, want to get children, away, especially. I think that's, that's why people want to get away because the world's just yeah. gone so crazy. Oh, and it's going to backfire on them. You can get ready. It's already starting, too. It, it started. People, you know, they had, uh, there was another uh, movie come out, animated movie called Elements, or Element, or something. It had a non-binary 
character. I mean, where did that? Come well, that from? movie yeah. is flopped. Yeah, it, the movie is flopped. Well, nine billion in sales loss for Target. I mean, that that ought to tell. And Bud Light. Yeah, exactly. That should. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to be in one of these major companies and marketing or whatever, and and do this knowing what's going to come down the line? I mean, is it really worth a nine billion dollar loss to satisfy a, a, just a handful of people? Yeah, no. well, they may have thought so, but uh, now they're probably gone. Those well, marketing, yeah, people, and it goes back persons, to, right? But that's them, all the media they, talks about. Whatever their dumbass verbs are. That, yeah. No pronouns. That's yeah. why. That's pronouns. Sorry, yeah, pronouns. You know what? If you want to make a statement, Gone. drink, drink bye a bye. drink a gold buckle beer. Yes, gold buckle beer. Yeah, there you go. Get a gold buckle beer. It's made right in Colorado, made in Lahana, Colorado, from some of the Colorado water. It's what the Cowboys drink. Gold buckle beer. It supports good people like me and Hambone and Rub Chat. There you go. That's, oh, that's right. And, and look, I, I don't have a problem with the trans community. I'm trans. A lot of people don't know that. I'm fat, huh? but I identify as skinny. Therefore, I'm there trans slender. <laughs> so, I mean, oh, I'm not forcing so, uh, that down people's throat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Well, Andy, no, it, it's been great. And oh, great time, guys. Thanks for having me on again. You know what I love? What I love is this was better than the last episode. We this did. is way better. It really was. Um, you know, what our listeners, Andy, they they like to hear rodeo stuff, but they also like to hear about you, sure, in your person, and 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 not rodeo, right? Right, you know, absolutely. What's it like to announce UNFR? Well, that's it's cookie pretty cutter, fucking badass, and yeah, it's cookie cutter. You know, right? It's pretty badass, but it's also a pain in the dick. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> not starched. Yeah, be careful sometimes. what you wish for. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, but um. So, uh, anyway, we just, we love having you. We love you personally. Yeah, and, and that's another thing, too, guys. I love y'all, too, seriously. Like, y'all are, you know, my rodeo family, and my wife and I talk about this all the time. They're, and you guys are the exact same way. There's not anywhere in this country that we could go that there wouldn't be somebody willing to drive to help us out or give us a place to Amen. stay or invite us into their home. I mean, like, I'm not home. People stop by, you know, just, you know. That man, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of our sport, really, is the relationships and extended family, and you know, getting to watch other people's kids grow up and be a part of their lives. And man, that's what a blessing that is, you know, and to be and to be around talented people, and and it's it's awesome. Amen. Bunch of good we folks a, out there. Have a blast. Um, if <laughs> plan it next June. Fourth through the, I think it's fourth, fourth through, through the eighth. eighth. Weatherford, Texas, Parker Weatherford, County Sheriff's Office. Us Hospital. three. Bad mother foes. The three amigos. The Tris Amigos. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. uh, What's that? We're going to have a plethora of sweaters at the Weatherford. (laughs) El Guapo. El Guapo. Anyway, but thanks, Andy. Thank you, guys. Rump, um, I don't know what else. Oh, hey, uh, Rump might be uh, having a big Red River Arena uh, addition to him this year yes i talked to justin yeah. today um Ooh. it's uh it's looking like some good things are coming red river arenas uh they got new equipment to make new stuff and i can't really release a lot of it but man i tell you what their their new rope and shoots are unbelievable they got summer specials on full rope and arenas 
Justin and Trisha and the whole the whole bunch down there in Texas. The the best thing Coleman. Did, yeah, and Coleman yeah. up the road. You're not buying from a big corporate place. You're buying from a mom and pops. These dudes are the same. They answer the phone and build the product. I mean, it's a great group of people and the uh, I'm hoping to have my new Red River reveal, which I don't want to let go. So we talked about it lunch today yes. over sushi. Okay. We uh it's not out yet, but uh Ooh, I'm hoping sushi. we're going to be able to have a big reveal from Red River Arena is one of the the greatest sponsors of Rome Chat and uh, just great people. Rope and Arena specials, $3,000 off I've seen on their Instagram. Um, yeah, rope in your own backyard. And so, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so while we're giving, I, I, I would like to say thank you while I've got an opportunity. Of course, our friends at Cinch, who are oh, yeah, uh, so good to us, oh, yeah. you know, in, in rodeo. Uh, Hyo Silver, if you're looking for buckles or jewelry, Hyo Silver, HYO and Silver. And Texas, yeah. And Dara, Texas. And of course, a tremendous supporter of rodeo, and I am so proud to be a member of their team, our friends at Community Coffee. We're as deep as our roots, and there's nothing smoother than a cup of community coffee. So get out wherever you buy coffee. Check out Community Coffee. Lots of great blends, great family company. You will not be disappointed. And they they were actually at Slack. They brought a whole community coffee deal to Slack at Ponca City. Yeah, Weatherford yeah, as well. Unreal. Yeah. Weatherford as well. And uh, I'm going to look into that for San Angelo. And I actually bought a uh, bag of community coffee for here at the house, and I'm out. So if they could deliver it, um, I got you, it brother. Will, actually, I got this you, brother. Episode will not be released by the time I need <laughs> coffee. It might be a little hot if you uh, deliver it there, but um, the breakfast blend uh, is really great. Um, so is you the know, Marty I, I'm going to be cake. honest. I, we we've always been Dunkin' Donuts people. Sure, absolutely. Man, but that community, it's about. Five dollars cheaper and it's better. So yeah, good stuff. It is quality product. Yep. Well, well thanks Andy, everybody. Thanks, thanks brother. Andy. And this yeah. is only volume one of of Andy Stewart. There's yeah, so you, much. We didn't even talk rodeo, but I love talking no. ducks and hunting. Something different. Yeah, well, it, it's different. That's what we love. I'm a good it's fisherman different. too. We can talk about crappie fishing next time. I turn oh, you on, on some now. tricks of the trade. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Rump chat. Okay. Adios. Thank you, everybody. Mary took to running with a traveling man, left her mama crying with her head in her hand. Such a sad case, so broken hearted. She said, Mama, gotta go, gotta get out of here, gotta get out of town, tired of hanging around. I gotta roll on between the dishes. Just an ordinary story about the way things go round and around. But the highway goes on forever That old highway rolls on forever Lord, you never